You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Before we kick off this show, I got lots to talk about. I know you do as well. Who's got the staff of Cork and Carey for this week? The guy who has kind of had, quietly, a really good week is Andrew Benintendi. Everybody's everybody's least favorite White Sox player going into going into this doubleheader with the Yankees. We're recording this as the doubleheader is getting going, so he could have gone over yeah. the doubleheader. And I, I got to do this up to the doubleheader because I just don't have real-time <laughs> stats. But over the last week, Andrew Benintendi is the best hitter on the team. Oh An 826 OPS, a 364 average, doing exactly what he's being paid to do. He's He stole a couple of bases. He didn't strike out a single time. He's not hitting home runs. Right? But he's getting on base. Oh, okay. He's 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 setting the table, and that's that's what you want him to do. It, that's that's who you want to get. Not Giolito after the last start. Not Jake Berger. Not not even Liam Hendricks with just the dominance out of the bullpen. We're going we're going Andrew Benintendi with the staff of Cork and Gary. You know, I, I I love the idea of of Liam Hendricks having it just because he's made the comeback and he is. I, you know, how do you, how do you not root for the guy? You just want to give it to Benintendi. I kind of just want to stick it to people who are really mad that Andrew Benintendi's not a superstar because I want to stick it to the front office for never giving a superstar contract to anybody who actually deserved it. That's what this is. This is a spiteful handing out of the staff of Cork and Carey. This is a petty handing out of the staff of Cork and Carey. <laughs> All right. Uh, Cork and Carey at the park is the proud sponsor of Socks in the Basement in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd in Princeton with an award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites at a great price. I'm telling you right now, before you go into the ballpark, bring the entire family over, bring your whole crew over, have some craft beers or some wines or whatever you want. The spirits behind the bar, there's an amazing selection at that bar. Indoor, outdoor seating. Get yourself fed. 33rd in Princeton, right on the corner, the official sponsor of Socks in the Basement. Learn more at CorkandCarry.com. And Andrew Benintendi is now the proud owner of the staff of Cork and Carry. Out of spite. Just concentrate on getting over 500. Just concentrate on getting back to being a winning baseball team. Concentrate on the fact that you got to get Jake Berger in the lineup every day. And this whole idea that he can't hit on the road, I, I think that was proven to be stupid in New York. Well, I, I don't understand. I just don't understand. I, I I can only say I don't understand so many different ways. Yo no comprendo. <laughs> I, I don't get what at this point Jake Berger has to do to show this team that he deserves a, a basically an everyday spot in the lineup. I'm not saying he's got to play every single game from here on out. Of course, he's going to have some days off. Of course, you'll play the matchup game a little bit with him. But yeah, the the what is he? The first thing he does in the doubleheader comes up and cracks a two-run homer, right? Then he hits a double the next time up. I mean, he he has so fewer at bats than anybody else in the the lineup from the last week, not including guys who haven't played. That it it just it boggles the mind. I mean, he has 
13 homers on the season now, as you and I are sitting here talking. Lord knows he could end up with more. You know, by the time you and I are done talking, because as we're sitting here recording, they're playing game one of the doubleheader. We don't know how it's going to finish, although it really wouldn't change my opinion that I think this team is going to be in contention or at least close enough that they keep you hooked all season long and could possibly even make the postseason. This division is terrible. Imagine if you had a competent owner and a, and a competent front office. And, and, and they were actually trying and there were actual baseball people in there that were able to do the things that good organizations do. How many division championships you would get in this horrible division that is the AL Central. But I mean, the, the Jake Berger thing boggles my mind, Ed. OK, here's the quote from Pedro before game one of the series against the Yankees when he was questioned about why Berger wasn't in the lineup and kudos to the beat reporters for jumping all over him and and just the terrible response, just the company man, terrible response of, quote, who doesn't want Berger in the lineup? I want him too. Well, then put him in, you idiot. You're the, you're the one guy who could do that. You're supposedly making the lineups, although I don't believe he's making the lineups. No, okay? I don't believe it for a second. However, we only have nine spots. He's the best hitter on the team. I don't understand that. You 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 can put eight other guys in there, and he's still better in those eight, and he would be number nine. And here I'll continue to quote. I'm sorry. And it's really not nine spots because he can't play. He can't catch, play shortstop or center field. Well, let me tell you what Jake Berger can do. Jake Berger can DH. He can play third base, and he can play first base. And the guy at DH can move the right field or left field. That's plenty of positions that Jake Berger can go to. And I even mentioned the pie in the sky attitude that they could put him at second base one day, which is just like obviously not an option because you're you're playing terrible second baseman over the best hitter in your lineup in that game, right? He has a higher OPS than all of those positions I mentioned in that game. The D, the DH spot, he has a higher OPS than Aloy Jimenez. He has a higher OPS than Yohan Moncada, who be, besides what he did yesterday been terrible for the last month or so, okay? I mean, Berger is the better option right now, in my opinion, at third base, okay? He's better than Andrew Vaughn, his OPS. He's better than Benintendi, his OPS. He's he's, he's the best hitter on your team, and you keep coming up with reasons as to why this first-round draft pick, who has always been a good hitter and was only stumped by injury that you drafted for crying out loud, somehow isn't in your plans, like, what about Jake Berger do you not like? Because uh, there's something there. Like, he doesn't fit whatever narrative they have in the building there. He wasn't even on the team when they broke camp. And all this guy has done is prove all of those so-called experts in the front office wrong. And then you have this guy sitting there saying, well, I'd love to have him in the lineup. Well, then put him in the lineup. He has the, the highest OPS of anybody on the team. He has the highest batting average right now of anybody on the team. His slugging is the highest. His on-base percentage is right up there at the top. He's about he's in the top five on the team, and yet he has 135 at bats to say Andrew Vaughn's 226. And I'm not going to bag on Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, but it's okay because guess what? I'd rather have Berger playing first base. And, and that's where and that's kind of where I'm going with it. Is, is I don't want to sit here and bag on Vaughn, but Vaughn frankly is underperforming. I, he's got seven homers. He's got 17 doubles. Those are pretty respectable numbers. But as a first baseman, that's really not cutting it when you've got a guy who's sitting there who has 13 home runs in about half as many at-bats. And to give you an idea of how kind of absurd 
not playing Jake Berger is. Let's look at the American League home run leaders, where Jake Berger is currently eighth with his 13 home runs, uh, right there with Rafael Devers. He is one behind Mike Trout. Uh, Luis Robert is there at 14. Uh, Bo Bichette has 14. Adolis Garcia from Texas, very good hitter, 15 home runs. Shohei, 16. Jordan Alvarez, 17. And then Aaron Judge, who just went on the IL because that guy's what Aloy Jimenez aspires to be, apparently, uh, has 19 home runs. Now, the major difference is, is that in terms of the amount of games played, Aaron Judge, because he's had injury issues, has 49 games and 175 at-bats, which is comparable to Jake Berger and his 44 games and 135. Everybody else ahead of him, besides Aaron Judge, who is an unfair comparison right now to any other home run hitter in the majors, Alvarez, 200 at-bats, Shohei, 236, Adolis Garcia, 228, Bo Bichette, 269, 226 at-bats for Luis Robert, and 226 for Mike Trout. So in half, not half, but a little under half the at-bats of everybody else on the on the American League home run leaderboard, there sits Jake Berger with his 13 and and you can't find a spot for this guy in the lineup. You can't find a spot for a guy whose average and OPS match Jordan Alvarez. That to me shows that there is either something going on in the front office where they are so stubborn and they think that we are so attached to the people that they said, the players that they said are the stars and the faces of this team, which, by the way, we don't know anything about them because you don't actually expose them to the fans, or it is just an absolute stubborn refusal to let Berger cook because of something you mentioned in our last show where Jake Berger does interact with the fans. He is part of White Sox Twitter, he and his wife. He is a guy who is out there and really is for most fans, the face of the franchise, but he shouldn't be because, because that's not how White Sox do things. That's not who they picked. This, is, this isn't the hero they wanted. It's the hero they got. Well, right. Sox fans, if you're looking for exterior windows, doors, patio doors, storm doors, look no further than Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest. They've been doing it for 40 years in Oak Forest since 1985. The owner's hanging out in the showroom, and then there's an owner that's on site at every install with their own workers. They make sure the job is done right. Every major brand, no stock items. They're going to custom make it so it's a perfect fit, and there's no high-pressure sales. They don't show up in your home with some dingy little window example and then try to tell you that there's some special. And if you sign right now before I walk out the door, I can give you the special, but I don't know if it'll be there if I make it to my car. That's not happening. You go into their showroom. You see full examples. You see the window etchings. You see the different doorknobs. You see everything. They're a half block east of 159th and Ridgeland. Stop in and see them today, 6280 159th Street. See more at windowdooroakforest.com. Years back, when Ricky Renteria was still the, still the manager, I got an opportunity to ask Ricky in front of Rick Hahn, the two of them standing next to each other with a crowd there, who made the lineups. And it was the most uncomfortable scene because Hahn wouldn't answer and Renteria keeps glancing at him, trying to figure out what he should say. And then he goes through this whole thing about tapestries and 16th century French art and how people collaborate. And it was the most convoluted 10-minute response that never actually gave an answer. 
And by the moment it ended, and really in the middle of this ridiculous explanation because he couldn't answer who made the lineups, it was so obvious that the lineups come from the front office. And Pedro sounds the same when he has to answer questions about why Jake Berger isn't in the lineup. This team will never peel back the curtain far enough for you to actually know for sure. But you're right. It's very telling when the manager doesn't sit there and go, well, I do it. But within, you know, Rick and I discuss, you know, what we're what we're looking to do to try and develop these players, blah, 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 and give give a straightforward answer. When you sit there talking about uh, French cuisine or art or whatever it was he was talking about. Yeah, the, the, you, you're sitting there going, well, gosh, I guess he's, you know, probably not making the lineups. Rick's sitting there making the lineups. I am so tired, Ed, of of the narrative that I keep seeing getting pushed. And I see it from I see it from fans. It gets thrown out there. This idea that, well, he can't hit on the road. And what about his splits? His splits against righties are better than most of the guys in the lineup. All right. He's still in the high 700s. I think he's like at 790 something for his career against right handed pitching when it comes to his OPS. He's not a platoon player, but they keep trying to tell you that. And, and it, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Burger splits. I, yes. Okay. So he is obviously a guy who hits extremely well at home and for his career, his career splits, which are, let's face it, very limited, very small sample size over the grand scheme of things. His batting averages and his OPS are astounding at home. 313, 1.047. Uh, away in 50 games, that's 60 games at home, away in 49 games, 50 games now as we're, we're talking, um, but I don't have updated stats, so we'll go with the 49, 185 with a 542 OPS. So he's, yeah, he definitely does have a different, statistically, he does have something different on the road. However, you're also talking this year about a guy who has emerged in a much different way than what we've seen from him in the past, right? He's actually getting an opportunity at every day at bats. He's getting an opportunity to go into different ballparks. And you can't tell me that if you're going to continue just to play this guy at home, that he's going to get better on the road because he gets to see different batting backgrounds and gets to see different crowds and gets to experience different dimensions and things like that. Are you going to protect him the whole time? I, I, I'm, I'm a little baffled by that idea of, Here's this guy who overall has proven to be one of the best and most reliable hitters on the team this year, but we're never going to play him on the road because statistically speaking, in the past, he has been bad on the road. And what does he do? He goes to Yankee Stadium, and the first thing he does is launch a home run into the bullpen. Next time up, he launches a double. The guy can hit. And what else do you have to lose at this point? First of all, this team should not be entering today's play 27 and 35. It should be 35 and 27. That's what we were told. Secondly, at this point, let the guy figure it out. Put him in the lineup on the road and see what happens. Yeah, if we get another 100 games under his belt between home and away and we sit there and say, you know, at the end of the season, my God, his stats at home versus on the road are just astoundingly different, then then we maybe have something there. But for little bits and pieces of a couple of seasons and then just a little bit of time that you've been able to – you've been putting him in the lineup here this season – let him figure it out. Let him see these other stadiums. Let him experience the road. He's only He can only get better than where he's been, but not if you don't play him. And definitely not if you don't have, you know, don't have any opportunities for him in the lineup on a regular basis and he's sitting out road games. 
he's he's not going to you can't develop consistency that way. It's it's just it's it's a bad model to see, especially when you're you're in a mold right now where you got to figure out who's your core going forward. And that's why you got to fire Rick Hahn, fire Kenny Williams, Jerry should sell the team, and fire Chris Getz into the sun. I, I say it every show. It's brought to you this week by the fine people at the Village of Lamont. This weekend, actually on Saturday, their 150th anniversary party in the streets of Lamont. If you want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure, visit the Village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, and explore, and see more at lamontdowntown.com. So as we sit here and we do the podcast today, uh, Lance Lynn, another terrible outing, uh, saved from the loss because of an Aloya Menez two-run home run in which the White Sox grabbed the lead back six to five. I mean, Lance Lynn is a problem. It's, it's a problem that probably needs to be fixed if you really are buyers at the deadline like Kenny Williams said you were. I mean, if you're, if you're buying, which I think they're going to do, and I'm fine with, okay? Look, this is the end sure, of go this. Ahead and buy. This is the end of this contention window. We have desperation in the front office to prove that all the rest of us are wrong. So go for it. Why not? Let's have some fun. It's not my money. You know, I, <laughs> I'm not the guy wasted no. Jerry's money. They are. So I would like to see them win some games. Like dad and I are going to go sit in the guaranteed rate club for the St. Louis series. I would like to see them in contention and make that meaningful baseball while I'm sitting up there behind home plate in the 200 level, right? Like I, I want to see good baseball all year long. That matters. So go ahead and be buyers. I'm fine with it. But if you're going to be a buyer, I think you need a pitcher because Lance Lynn's your fifth starter right now, in my opinion. Do you think I'm nuts for saying that? Because I would rather have Kopech in a playoff game, which I you could have never have gotten me to say at the beginning of the year. I would rather have Giolito in a playoff game. I would rather have Dylan Cease in a playoff game because I think he's going to figure it out. Players go through bad stretches. Everybody has it. I think he's going to figure it out. I haven't lost faith in him. And I think Mike Clevenger showed me just a little bit over his last couple of starts that makes me believe he's a better option than Lance Lynn. They need another pitcher. Well, and you're not wrong about Lynn, okay? I mean, look, the guy's ERA is 6.55 going into today's game, and you know, as he's sitting there coming out of a again just a brutal, brutal start of five innings, with eight hits, five earned runs against him, 6.72. The guy's ERA on the season is almost seven runs per nine innings. Okay, that, that's that's insane, and he's given up a ton of home runs. Um, this just is not, it's not a guy that looks like he can go out and really face major league hitters and get anything done. And it's, it's kind of sad to say, because it's not really something that you expected going into this year. You knew that Lynn might not be an ace. You knew that he might not be somebody that, uh, is what you traded for a couple of years ago when you were looking at it, but you didn't expect him to fall off this hard and this fast. Right. And it's, it's kind of. The thing that becomes a little obvious when you're looking at what's going on with him is how his pitch usage has come into play. He's giving up a lot of home runs, and basically what's going on is, as I'm looking at on, on Brooks Baseball, I'm looking at his usage chart, and I'm looking at what he does with, with his pitches. He is far less reliant on his sinker than he has been, and that goes into the end of last year and then going into this year where he was at his high on some, you know, during some months throwing 30% sinkers, okay? It, it, he was generally speaking between 15 and 30% in the usage on the sinkers. He hasn't written, risen above 14.44% this year. 
And I think what's going on is he's just he's not getting the ground balls that he used to get to get out of innings. Uh, you know, the, the the whole issue with him of of getting these balls elevated comes down to whether or not he can get guys out. And his forcing fastball, the velocity is down. It has steadily declined from when they first traded for him. Uh, he's down around 92 miles an hour, 93 maybe. The sinker's velocity is actually fairly consistent. It's down from when he first came here, but there's also less room between that and the changeup as a result. The slider is way down in velocity. His cutter is about the only thing that has stayed consistent the entire time here. And and it's really, it's just, it looks to me like based on his usage, what he's doing is he's trying to get guys out with the fastball. He's trying to get guys out with the cutter, but he's not getting really enough of the movement that he needs to try and get guys out. He's not fooling anybody. That's why he gives up two home runs per nine innings. Okay. That's why he's giving up 10.2 hits per nine innings. That's why his whip is one and a half. He's not, he's putting too many guys on base, but it's not really because of the fact that he's walking a ton of guys. The majority of it is because they're hitting him. That's the thing. Like he doesn't have, he doesn't have control problems like where he's putting guys on because he's giving away too many free passes. In fact, his walks per nine is lower than three of the other four guys in his, in the rotation. It's because he's not fooling anybody. What he throws looks like a beach ball to most major league hitters right now. And, you know, it was bound to happen, Ed. I mean, like, that's the thing. Oh, of course. It was bound to happen when you have a guy that throws, like, three different variations of a fastball because as you get older and some movement may go away, and the moment that went away, uh, they all kind of look the same, I think. And I think I think they're able to anticipate what's coming a little bit easier coming out of his hand, and he's just getting beat at this point. I mean, he, this is the thing. You're not going to pick up the 18 million next year. You'd be crazy to pick up the 18 million. Then again, you would absolutely be. Then again, there are more odds working in the front office. But you'd be crazy to pick up the 18 million. So I think, and I think what you do is you go out and you try to find pitching right now. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. You know, I've said this on the show before. One of the smartest things that the front office has ever done under Kenny Williams was when he went out and he grabbed Freddie Garcia in an offseason when they probably didn't have a chance of making the playoffs. Remember in in 04? Yeah, at the trade deadline in 04, he goes out and he trades for Freddie Garcia and everybody kind of looked around and went, what's he doing? Right, exactly. But he was doing it to get him in the building. So we could have the first chance at him to be able to sign him long-term because he knew he needed to add another big pitcher. And it was great outside-the-box thinking. 
And that's the kind of thinking you need to have right now. You need to go out. You need to make a trade to bring in a guy, even if it is on his last year, that you feel like still has years ahead of them and that you think you can afford to bring back at the price tag you need. Rather than pick up the $18 million on Lynn, you can use that money to sign that guy. But you want to get him in the building. You want to, and, and that's the move that probably needs to be made. Now, an even greater move would be able to, to trade for a guy who's got like two years left. Or a young guy like go get go get these A's, you know, go knock on their door. They got they're a crappy team that's got a few pitchers that actually have very low whips and and actually are very effective that are surrounded by terrible talent that may be a little bit controllable but aren't on a lot of people's radars. Like do a little bit of like scouting. That would be the greatest thing and grab a pitcher that maybe isn't as valued as they should be that you would have control over for a couple of years and that is going to be a part of your lineup. It can help you this year and beyond. But you should be grabbing a pitcher, no matter what. That's If you're going to be a buyer, you need another starting pitcher. Yeah, because you can't have a guy in Lynn who, right now, he's giving up a career batting average on his four-seamer. It's, it's career highs, basically. 304 in March, 286 in April, 255 so far in, in May, not including today, you know, in May, and not including, obviously, his June starts here. Um, his sinker, he's giving up a 308 average on it in May. His changeup was 571. It was 750, the batting average on it in, in April. I, he's just getting hit. He's getting hit hard. And his out pitch, his cutter, the thing that was kind of separating him, he's he's almost at 300 on those as well. 273 in March, 256 in April. He's a little bit better. And 282. When he first got here, that was in the 100s, 125, 175. You know, you, you would see it, except for uh, the end of 21 when we know that he started to struggle when his knee was bothering him. That's the only time he started really having any any issues with it. And even that, in the in the October, in the playoffs, it was a 182 on the cutter in the batting average against. So Lynn is just getting, he's just getting knocked around. And that's usually a sign that a pitcher either has to make another radical adjustment or at age 36, it might just be a sign that Lance Lynn's not getting the, he's just not getting the movement. He's not getting the placement. He's not getting the depth on the pitch. He's not deceiving anybody, and you need to have something. And you're right. It, it may take something like going out and saying, okay, this is a selling team that is looking to move a pitcher that has nothing left on their contract. It was a one-and-done type of a thing, and trying to bring him here and get him signed like Freddie Garcia, or sitting in there and going to the A's and saying, hey, look, you know, we're going to give you – some of our prospects here because you're in a perpetual rebuild. So we're going to go get a guy like, uh, say, J.P. Sears. Okay, a that's, that's exactly who I was thinking of. And I knew exactly that's who you were exactly talking about when you said it. I was thinking of. We're going to go get J.P. Sears, and we're going to have to overpay a little bit, and that might be the one big trade that Rick Hahn can make using this farm system. But maybe that's what they need to go and do and, and sit there and do that. There's, there's all sorts of options here for them. But, yeah, I do believe Kenny Williams – that they will be buyers, but if they go out and try and do something where it's like, okay, we're going to go buy another bat, and that bat is going to take it's going to take ABs away from Burger, or it's going to you know whatever. That's 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 what would frustrate me. Listen, you know what they should get? They should go out and they should get themselves like a corner outfielder or a first baseman that like is really stocky, doesn't run very well, and like you know is injury prone and, and, and can't really catch when he plays in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, that's what they should go do. They don't have any of those. <laughs> no, no, that'd be perfect. 
That'd be perfect. You know what they should never do? <laughs> what? Draft, sign, or trade for a second baseman ever again. That's ridiculous. What do you need one of those for? No, you'd never need one of those. <laughs> I uh, um, I was looking at the all-star ballot. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And and because I, I want to vote for Jake just because I... And I got a, I got an email from a guy who was like, I know Jake Berger's your boy. Look, Jake Berger's a nice guy. He's been on the show before. He's not the only player that's ever been on the show before. And, you know, and it doesn't matter if he's a nice guy. I just think that the guy should be playing more. Okay. Trust me. Jake Berger starts uh, playing badly. I'll be like, what the heck's wrong with Jake Berger? I'll be yelling about him. Okay. I don't think that's going to be a problem, though, for a while, because I think that guy's a real hitter. But I, I wanted to vote for him because I was like, I want to throw my support. I, would, I think it would be great if Jake Berger made the all-star game when he's still being treated like a platoon player by a franchise that doesn't seem to want to feature him in any way. Right. I would love that. Right. I, like, that would be amazing. The problem is, as I'm going through my ballot, and I'm I, and generally what I do is I look for guys that hit for good average, hit home runs, have high OPSs. Like, I'm, I'm looking for that because, you know, you can't watch every baseball game. I know who the stars are. I know who's a good defensive player generally. And so, like, I, I'm kind of trying to take everything into account when I'm making my ballot. And I get to the DH spot where Berger's at. And wow, I really wish he was in the third base spot because how do you vote for him over Shohei Otani? Like, like oh, like that's I, so hard. I to did do. it. I did it because Shohei's going to get plenty of votes, right? Yeah, Shohei. I mean, he's going to be there. He's going to be there one way or the other. Right. Shohei Otani is going to be in the All Star. No, no, no. He's going to get the votes. Like, he's going to win that. He's going to win. He's going to win. There's no way he doesn't win it. If Shohei Otani doesn't win, in the initial voting and get in as the DH on the American League side, I will strip down naked and run down Michigan Avenue. Like, there's absolutely no possible way. Well, here's hoping that he, does, uh, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't put out a tweet that has everybody turning on him. <laughs> I mean, like, there's no way he doesn't get himself voted in there. He's, the, he's probably the best baseball player there is right now. So I don't know how Jake gets in there. He probably, hopefully, is like, you know, put on the team by by the manager of the American league, or I don't even know if that guy gets to do it anymore. I know they've, they keep changing how they select their lineups. It, it, it's been fan voting, right, it's been exactly. managerial pick. He's probably, he might be an injury replacement. Right. He guy. could, he could also be something where it's like last five in and we have a nice campaign for him, whatever. You know, you know, here's the problem though. The white Sox wouldn't have a campaign for him. No, no, they would. It, it would, Jake Berger would be there, but they'd really be telling you to vote for Gavin Sheets. Yeah. Yeah, Jake Berger. I mean, if Jake Berger keeps crushing home runs, especially if he's doing it on the East Coast where they forget the White Sox exist, and and guys are are sitting in the stands at Yankee Stadium watching him going, hey, who's that guy with the mustache, the little ball of muscle out there that keeps hitting it out there? Yeah, we, we got to bring him over here. Um, you know, that's a terrible New York accent, by the way. Uh, you know, that's uh, is that what that was? I, that was that was terrible. I don't know what that was. Um, but anyway, that's that's the only way Berger I think it's in is is if he if he raises his profile in the next couple of weeks, he's a guy that could. Uh, could be either. And if he ends up, I mean, honestly, if Berger keeps crushing the ball and he ends up top five in the American League in home runs, he might be somebody that gets picked for the home run derby or something like that. Then he, you know, then you'll see him there too. So I think those are all possibilities. But if I had, a, if I had a guess, I would guess that Giolito would be the only one that would, that, that gets in in that first round of selections. And obviously fans don't pick the pitchers really. So, you know, you're, you're not going to see anybody voted in. I want Jake Berger home run derby. Nice call on I that I do, too. One. Yeah. I that, just, if I had to rate your last comments here of the show, I would uh, I would rate the New York accent terrible Jake Berger home run comment.
competition idea, great. That's where I would go. Amazing, wouldn't you? But definitely not that accent. Never do that again. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.